Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence podcast. Once again, I am Dear Prudence, uh, also known as Mallory Ortberg. With us in the studio this week is going to be Avery Edison. I'm very excited to introduce all of you to in just a few minutes. But before I do, I want to provide you with what is quite possibly, not quite possibly, absolutely, definitively, the greatest single update we have ever gotten to a letter on this show. Uh, you may remember that recently on the episode where my father, John Orberg, was the guest, we received a voicemail from a gentleman named Rocky who wanted to know if we would give him permission to quit his job for three months to play uh, poker professionally. And we had ourselves a couple of good laughs because what a funny scenario and kind of ended on not really sure if you need to do this. Is there any other way that you could maybe, you know, get your poker itch scratched on the side? We're not really sure. Well, friends, Rocky wrote back in great glorious detail. I, I can't tell you how warmly I feel about this letter. Uh, and he provided us with a lot of new information. I can't read all of it because it's very long, but I, I treasure it. I read it before I go to bed every night. I think about it all the time. Uh, and I want you all to know uh, some about it as well. So he wrote back, hi, Prudence and Prudence dad. Uh, I want to start off by saying that I realized sending in my question over voicemail might have been a mistake because it was really long and a little disorganized. So I want to frame my situation a little better and answer some of your questions. So when it comes to his professional training, his ability to find work after taking a sabbatical or quitting, uh, he says he doesn't want to get too detailed, but he can program computers, mobile devices, and feels really confident about his ability to get a job after taking three months off. Uh, he has great skills, a good network of friends who can help him find a job in the worst case, uh, feels like he feels pretty confident that there will be a job opportunity for him on the other side of this. Uh, there's a whole section about whether or not poker is gambling. I still don't care, so I'm not going to read any of that out loud on the air, but he feels like it's really important to to discuss the semantics there. Uh, skilled players apparently can do really, really well. There's like a really... He's got a great system. In my mind, he's counting cards. I don't know if you do that in poker, but that's how it works in my brain. So he feels very confident. He has two great kids. He's sure about the number of the kids. He would like to let everyone know he knows that he has two. Um, he's a really involved dad, probably just a nervous slip during his voicemail. So uh, he agrees that his wife's objections are really reasonable uh, and that in the long term, he knows that she'll be able to balance intellect and emotion uh, as they make a decision together. Um, and just staying at his job wouldn't make him a lot more money than he thinks he could win at poker. So, gosh, I mean... Ugh, this, I'm sorry, there's just so many bullet points and this is making so many happen. Um, so when it comes to how much money the sabbatical might set him back, uh, he says, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I will talk about percentages. Since I'm entering poker tournaments as opposed to playing cash games, the potential gambling loss is capped. Tournaments require a fixed entry fee, then it whittles down players such that only a few cash. He'll use an opportunity cost calculation, i.e. what he's not making at his job and salary and benefits, and not just what he has to expend in order to enter tournaments. So, 
the three-month sabbatical is going to require the following. 6% of their free cash, i.e. money invested in safe EF- ETFs, uh, and 2 to 3% of their net worth. Uh, he says he'd be open to opening another account uh, where all this money is deposited prior to the start of the sabbatical. And then once it's empty, the sabbatical is over. He follows this with a smiley face emoticon. This would allay your father's concerns about catastrophic ruin, he says. But I will assure your father I'm no idiot. I wouldn't risk my kid's future. I love them too much. And another smiley emoticon. Guys, I have never been more completely and wholeheartedly on someone's side as I am on this guy's side. I'm not going to make a ruling yet, but I'm going to get through the rest of this letter. So uh, he's going to be able to keep his work schedule, which involves waking up at about six, uh, checking email, taking care of the kids, taking them to school, uh, working until about five, getting the kids fed and in bed by about eight o'clock, back on the work computer until about midnight. So his sabbatical schedule would actually be really similar. Um, There's a lot of local casinos that have tournaments that run from 930 to 430, but that's only if you're going to cash. You'll usually get booted from the tournament by early afternoon. So most days he'd be home by the exact same time. and, and then here's the big question, right? Why three months? There's a big tournament in the Bay 101. At the Bay 101? I don't know what the Bay 101 is. In the beginning of March, it's called Shooting Star. He wants to enter this tournament and see how far he gets. Um, it sounds like taking a vacation or playing on the weekends won't really suffice because it won't get him in, like, the sort of amount of experience he needs to get into the tournament. Um, He feels pretty confident that he's going to stop playing after the three months. Like, that's his specific goal that he wants to achieve. Um, You know, even if he does this as well as working, he's the type of person who always wants to do something new after a couple years, maybe start his own business. Uh, All right, so the letter just ends with, if you got this far, thanks. Please let me know honestly if you think I'm nuts, then maybe I'll drop this dream. But I wanted to hear from a dispassionate third party before I present it to my wife. Rocky, thank you so much for sending us more information. I think you are a delightful person. You sound like a great dad. And you have my permission, man. I I, I want you to take this case to your wife. You have convinced me. Uh, I can't promise you that she's going to say go for it. And if she's dead set against it, I, I don't want to encourage you to, like, go to the mats over this and, like, start a huge feud. But, yeah, yeah, it sounds like you've got a really clear picture of what you want. The risk is not insignificant, but you've definitely taken steps to minimize it. Worst case scenario, you get a job at the end, work a little harder, make a little extra cash. Rocky, go for it. And if you win the tournament, please call back and tell us. Frankly, just let me know, like, shoot me an email personally when the tournament is, because if it's in person, I want to go watch. If this is in the Bay Area, I'm going to be in the front row cheering you on if they let people cheer at poker tournaments, which they probably don't. But Rocky, please write us back. Let us know. You have my wholehearted support. Bless you. All right. Uh, This was the best start to a show I think we've ever had. I feel excited. I feel energized. I'm really excited to welcome Avery Edison, who is a beautiful nymph of a comedian, a writer, a great Twitter account, the occasional stand-up, and a dear, dear pretend friend of mine because we've never actually met, but um, I feel very close to her. Hi, Avery. Hello. Um, Ugh, gambling dudes. Um... I mean, yeah, I'm not on that guy's side, just so you know. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like there were like so it, many bullet points. I feel like in general, men men shouldn't get to live their dreams because uh, they're already living so many other mm-hmm. people's dreams every day. So scale back on the dreaming. 
Scale, scale back. You don't, no, you don't get to take three months off to go play polka. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not Matt Damon. Does Matt Damon play poker? There was that, what, what's the, the, the polka movie he was in in the early 90s? He was in a poker movie in the early 90s? Yeah, he was in a he was in a poker movie called Rounders. I I think now is and probably it's... a good time for me to confess that I've never played poker and I don't know how you play poker and I don't know that I've ever seen a movie about poker. Was the sting about poker? No, me me neither. A, a lot of a lot of friends in in high school were very into poker for a while. Okay. And I and I just did not I didn't I didn't get it. But I do know that it definitely is gambling and that dudes who say it's not gambling because they have a system are terrible. It definitely sounds like something you would say in like that Nicolas Cage movie about stealing cars. Like there's no risk when you really know what you're doing. Which maybe he should go steal cars. Yeah. If he was taking three months off to 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 gone in sixty seconds things, I yeah, I'd be totally on board with that. Yeah. And frankly, That's I just want more people plan. I want more people to write in with their desires to become like cat burglars and diamond heisters and you know, like fancy con artists who go to places like Monte Carlo and cheat at Baccarat. Yeah. At least start with like some some low level grifters from like the Tumblr lifting scene. Oh boy. That's a whole and then, um... <laughs> I don't want to wade into that scene. I, I, I don't have the chops for it. I, I can't speak to any of that stuff. Um, but this is great. I'm really excited that we're already fighting uh, because it bodes really, really well for the next 45 minutes or so. Um, speaking of which, the very first letter is about someone who's made a scene. And I'm pretty excited for us to to tackle this. Do you want to go ahead? Do you have the letters in front of you? Do you want to read the first one? Okay, Absolutely. Okay. Making a scene. While attending a friend's birthday bash last week, the girlfriend of an acquaintance, Nina, made a passing but rather cruel comment about my appearance. I tried to laugh it off and failed, so decided to leave. In my haste to exit, before I burst into tears and more people witnessed my embarrassment, I accidentally smashed the glass I was holding, badly cutting my hand. Cue lots of blood and a big scene. Since then, I'm told my social circle is split between thinking that, one, I overreacted to a minor comment, and are angry I ruined my friend's party, and two, blaming Nina for my injury and discussing cutting her out of the group permanently. So far, I haven't got involved. I am so mortified about the whole thing, I just want to pretend it didn't happen. But I feel I should send out a message defending myself, or Nina, or both. I'm not sure how to shut this down with the minimal amount of fuss. Well, this makes me mad at every single one of this letter writer's friends. Yeah, it's a bad group of friends, right? I mean, like, maybe the people who blame Nina are are not as culpable, but it, it doesn't sound like anyone has sort of, like, reached out to this letter writer and just said, hey, I'm really sorry that you got insulted and also hurt your hands, like... Um, that seems like a real no-brainer to me. Like, it's pretty clear the person who got insulted and injured uh, is the person who who should get some sympathy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and also, like, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't, like, this would be a big scene in a movie. Sure. But in real life, it's a weird thing that happened at a party, and then you you move on from it. Like, why... 
I, I I'm not sure why in in the whole in the whole friend group this is still a big deal, and uh, that's a that's a big red flag for me. I think it's always really telling when people will use language like "you ruined a party," uh, because like sometimes yeah. people do things that ruin parties, right? Like if you drive off drunk and crash your car. Say it could safely be said that you ruined the party, but like if there was a moment of conflict and someone cut their hand on a piece of glass, like you don't have the power to ruin the party. They could have very easily been helpful to you and then continued a party. Like that did not have to ruin it. And I always feel like that gets wielded in a really creepy way of just like you ruined the party. You're responsible for like a vibe that was somehow destroyed because you experienced a feeling. And I just think that's kind of nonsense. Like it's really hard to ruin a party unless you are deliberate. Like setting out to make everyone miserable and uncomfortable. If all that happened was that you got sad, someone hurt your feelings and dropped a glass, you didn't ruin a party. You experienced vulnerability like a human being. Yeah, and if I, I don't know if the if the language is heightened for the letter, but if if a friend group is having like actual discussions about cutting someone out of the group, that's that's way too dramatic. Yeah. And everyone's Everyone's looking to create some conflict or feel feel like they're in in a movie and uh, and that their friend group is more important than it is. Like you're not you're not like Gilmore Girls or something. You know, it's you don't need to have like an active social ostracization effort. Right. Friends friends drift in and out of groups. You don't need to there's no there's no reconciliation committee that needs to happen. Right. I mean, it sounds like what this Nina is- said was incredibly rude and her uh whoever she's dating should if they have not already said like that was a really shitty thing to say, you should apologize. Um I don't think it's called for everyone to say you have now forfeited your right to know any of us because like it was a rude and asshole thing to do, but it was not so beyond the pale that she doesn't deserve friendship, right? Like I feel like you reserve that yeah. for repeated acts of cruelty and, and like not apologizing when called upon. Like that's you gotta save that for something bigger than just briefly mean at a party. Although the the one the one other thing I was thinking when reading this letter is does this go to a pattern of behavior for Nina? And this is either the last straw or the pretext that some friends are using to to finally say enough because right. if that's the case that's that's a whole different thing but it sounds like it's kind of up to those friends because the letter writer says this is a girlfriend of an acquaintance it's clearly not someone that you is a part of your everyday life like I, I don't believe you need to send out a message defending yourself i don't believe you need to have further contact with nina if you don't want to you know if this was only the second or third time you spent time around her you guys don't have any kind of meaningful friendship that needs to be preserved if you wanted to you could say to Nina, hey, I just want you to know when you said that thing about like how I was dressed or what my face looks like or or whatever, it really hurt my feelings. Um, and I hope you don't do it again. That would be fine to say, but you also absolutely don't have to. And I, and I don't think at all that you need to send out a message. I think you can have conversations with your friends independently and say, I was really embarrassed. I was really clumsy. I didn't do any of this on purpose. I didn't drop my glass for like the purpose of creating a scene. I was not trying to draw attention to myself. I just had my feelings hurt. And then I felt really embarrassed that I hurt myself physically. Um, And I'd really appreciate just, you know, if we could move on. Um, I feel like that's all that's needed here, right? Like, it sounds like everyone's very eager to continue to fan these flames. and, And you should put some sand on these flames. Not that that's your fault. Yes. It's not your fault that people are doing that. But you just because they're ratcheting up the dramatics does not mean you have to match it. 
if if the letter writer does does want to take some action or or keep talking about it, I would recommend like some passive aggressive minion memes. Maybe posted to Facebook. Please don't recommend minion memes like, on my podcast. Like There's a grumpy a reason minion that pilot has been saying on the show something yet. like, "Boy, you sure do find out who your real friends are when you cut your hand." And like the minion is is bleeding, like really. This is really you, vigorously bleeding. This is maybe the worst advice that's ever been given on this show, and I thank you for it. Um, yeah, that should definitely be your backup option. It's a it's a really distressed minion in the background. There's like another minion crying, and a and a third minion trying to console this it. This is not helpful. No, it's not Nina's fault that you hurt your hand, and it's not your fault that you hurt your hand. That was literally an accident. It was the most accidental thing to ever happen. So even though it, it happened because you were trying to leave in a hurry. And and that was obviously caused by Nina. Like, she did not smash open a bottle and cut you. Um, it's not her fault that you got hurt. Uh, it's not your fault that you got hurt. It's just one of those things that happened. The only thing that's her fault was saying something mean to you about your appearance. Um, so, again, it, it, she's not this, like, hand-smashing monster. She was just an asshole. Um, and and I think nobody needs to cut anybody out of their lives. Um, if you want to, you can say to her, hey, you really hurt my feelings. I hope you don't do it again. Beyond that. You don't need to send any messages. Maybe keep the minion memes to yourself or send them to Avery, who I believe would welcome them. Oh, if yeah, if someone wants to to mock up to mock up that that minion meme I've ju- I just described, I'm really happy to get multiple versions of that from listeners. Fabulous. And just as a general piece of advice to everyone, if you're thinking about saying something about somebody else's appearance at a party, unless it's something like your hair looks really nice today or I like your shirt, keep it to yourself. Eat an hors d'oeuvre if you can't figure out how to keep your mouth shut. Just keep eating hors d'oeuvres until the desire to tell other people what their face looks like to you has passed. Uh, it is a fit of madness and you should not give into it. I think we're ready to tackle the next one. Uh, the subject of this one is asexual partner. Dear Prudence, my boyfriend and I have been dating for over a year now. The relationship is very mutually fulfilling and I'm deeply in love with him. But an ongoing issue for me is that he is mostly asexual and I am not. We have sex semi-regularly, but as he experiences kind of an aversion to genitals, he prefers almost always to receive rather than to give. I respect his feelings and would never want him to do anything he wasn't actively enthusiastic about, but I do sometimes feel neglected and like I'm missing out as he is the first partner I've ever had. Do you think this is a deal breaker? He's perfect in every other way and most of the time it doesn't bother me, but I worry that in 10 years time I'll regret the experiences I never had and resent him for something that isn't his fault. Any thoughts or advice would be appreciated. Well, this is just the age-old compatibility issue, right? Like, can can two people who yeah. both enjoy bottoming ever, like, make it work? Spoiler alert, like, yes, I think they can. But, like, this is this is the, the big question of life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's compatibility. It's also, like, as, as a member of, of the queer community, as, as you are, I I I don't want to I don't want to be uh insensitive or or pretend like I know more about asexuals than asexuals do but I don't know if 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 some sometimes people who are just selfish might use the label asexual I I don't know like if he if he is enjoying sex in one way I just feel like I've read a lot of Reddit threads where it's someone posting and being like, 
My guy's my guy's asexual. That's your problem right there, so right? Is he, I've been reading a lot of Reddit. He only ads. likes blowjobs. Well, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of different questions here, right? There's the frequency yeah. of sex. There's the type of sex that they're having. There's the role each person takes during sex. Um, and then you add to that the, like, identity of being asexual and, like, navigating that, which is tricky. I want to proceed through this letter as if the boyfriend in question is not just being selfish. Yes. Just because I don't feel like there, there's nothing yes, in here that suggests to me, like, oh, you're definitely doing that. I don't that. feel good about about how I how I, how I... Uh, painted both the person in this letter and possibly the entire asexual community. Well, I don't feel it, good about what I did just then. Let me try to help you out because it didn't sound uh, to me like you were saying a lot of asexual people are selfish. It sounded like what you're saying is it is possible for someone to like misappropriate a label in order to not be like a giving, helpful, loving partner. Um, and that that can sometimes happen. Not that that's super, super common, just it's something to be aware of, especially because it sounds like these guys are really young. It's his first relationship. Um, you're figuring yourself out. Um, so, yeah, all of which is to say, you say he has an aversion to genitals. And I don't know if that's the sort of thing where it's like, if this is something he's like deeply uncomfortable, like, is it is it like painful for him? Does he have like deep security issues? Does it make him panic? Like, if it's anything that would put him in a situation where, like, his emotional and physical well-being is at stake, like, that's really important to be aware of, right? Like, you don't want to force any conversation uh, where you would be, like, sending him into a panic attack. I don't know the severity of his aversion. Like, that's that's kind of for you guys to discuss. But you can absolutely have a conversation like, it's really important that you respect his identity as being asexual, but you also get to respect your identity as being sexual. And just saying things that you want, um, it's not the same thing as, like, forcing him to compromise where he doesn't want to. It's not the same thing as being demanding. Uh, it's not the same thing as disrespecting his identity. You can just say, hey, ideally, in a long-term relationship, um, I- I'm-, I'm willing to negotiate the frequency of sex, but it would be really important to me to feel like, both of us could be like switches or versatile or like I wouldn't top a hundred percent of the time. Like that's not what I want. I would rather top like 70% of the time. Does that match any vision you have of your own future? And if he says, oh, kind of, and like let's talk about ways in which I might feel safe and comfortable in doing that, maybe you guys can compromise. If he says, absolutely not, like for me, sex, I want to keep it at a minimum and I like I need to be bottoming at all times. Like, that's a non-negotiable for me. Then you guys might need to have the longer conversation of, are we compatible in the long run? Um, But you might also be surprised if you open up about what you would like to do. Like, he presumably loves you too. He might be willing to to talk about changing that. Um, But you won't know unless you ask. Like, if you just keep doing this forever, but then quietly in the back of your mind thinking, man, I wish things were different— I think you run the risk of like three years from now breaking up with him in like kind of a blindsiding, devastating way because you're just like, I can't keep doing this. I said I was cool with it because I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but actually I don't like it at all. Yeah, I think um I I, I think when when you're young and you've only been dating yeah, like if if this does lead to a breakup it's it's one of the better things to break up over especially right. like when you're you're consciously making that choice because this isn't like a a personal like it's not an argument or a or a difference of like personality or something where it's going to get really ugly this is something you can be smart and say this is a real shame but we're not compatible in a particular way and, and so it's not this trivial isn't be satisfying long term 
I think some people, not everyone, but some people worry if we break up over sexual compatibility, but other things are good, that's shallow. I won't be able to find those things in a future partner. That means I've dismissed this person like as a person. I don't think that's true. I think sexual compatibility is wildly important, even if the compatibility is just both of us are asexual and would prefer not to have very much sex with one another. Like you need to, if not be on the exact same page, at least be really aware of what the other person wants and is willing to do and feel like that there's like a good, uh, I don't know, overlap in the Venn diagram of how you want to use your bodies. Um, and if you don't have that, like it can be emotionally distressing, physically exhausting. Uh, it can like affect your well-being, your sense of intimacy with the other person. It's not shallow to say we are not sexually compatible. You're fabulous. But we're going to be the kind of exes who get brunch all the time, um, not lifelong sexual partners. I do I do want to say not to be a cliche of a, a polyamorous person, but as someone who has multiple uh uh, relationships, I I definitely recommend that if that's something that the, both the people in the scenario would be comfortable with, like maybe that's that's a way the letter writer can get the fulfillment they they require in terms of of uh, sexual relationships. Uh, maybe they can get that outside the this relationship. Absolutely, um, it's always an option. You might not pick it, but it's always an option. There's nothing wrong with saying it out loud. It's yeah, it's an it's an option. It's also uh, adds its own nightmares, obviously. Right. It's not a cure-all. But, it's not like, oh, great, now I'll go find somebody else who wants to top me and the two of us will now be perfect. That's not how anything works. Yeah. Or is it? Avery, can yeah, you tell absolutely. my listeners that Polly will fix all their problems and they'll just be able to find magical other people who fulfill their needs and don't bring any of their own needs to the table um, and that that's how it works? I mean... I will say this, I used to break bones every week. And then since I've been poly, I haven't broken a single bone. I don't get skin abrasions ever. Like I could put my hand up on a belt sander right now and leave it there for an hour and, and I'd and I'd walk away maybe with some lightly buffed uh calluses. I'm really embarrassed how long um, into that monologue I was like, she used to break bones every week? Like, do you have rickets? Are you okay? I mean, it, it was uh, it was definitely a, a calcium deficiency problem, which polyamorous. But I solves. haven't consumed. I haven't consumed any more calcium. It's just the fact that I'm poly now. Oh my god! And I thought I think this was my body. Avery, just I thought knows this was I've all... made a change. I thought this was all working up to a because you're getting the D pun. I thought that's where this was going. Oh my goodness! I know. I'm sorry. I'm no. so sorry. No. I'm so sorry, but also I don't take no, it back. I'm, My producer is shaking I'm, her head I'm, at me. I'm not, a f I'm not a fan of D's. That doesn't work. But it would have been so I, 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 dis I dislike the D so much, I don't even go outside during the day in case I, actually, in, in case I accidentally get some vitamin D from the sun. <laughs> I hope this helps our letter writer. Uh, if nothing else, I hope it's a reminder to all of us to make sure that we get enough calcium and vitamin D because they work better in conjunction with one another. Let's move on. No, I have one, I have one thing. Did you know that you get your daily requirement of vitamin D from just 10 minutes outside, even on an overcast day? 10 minutes? That's it? 10 minutes, even on an overcast day. You sound really happy about that information. Well, it, as, a, as a person who struggles with depression and especially seasonal depression, it's, uh, 
it's really easy for me to sink into just not going outside for days at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it can be a good reminder to myself to, oh, I look out the window, it's grey and overcast, especially here in, in England, that's what it is all the time. But you know what? Mm-hmm. A, a short walk outside and I'll get the vitamin D that I need. When... Even I was living on overcast day. When I was living in Chicago, we'd moved there from California when I was in high school. Uh and so the sun there would often set way earlier than than growing up in LA and it was just cold and dark in general and it was a real shift for all of us, but especially my mom. I remember coming home from school one afternoon at like 3:15, 3:30 and my mother, who's like a real go-getter, professional type person, like always up and about and doing stuff, was at home through the middle of the afternoon uh, in her jammies on the fetal position on the floor, curled up like a cat in like the final dying rays of sunlight that were coming through the window. And we just sort of looked at each other for a minute. And I was just like, how you doing? She's just like, not great. And now we don't live in Chicago anymore. So um, all of which is to say, get outside, guys, if you can get outside and get some sunshine. Avery, would you like to read the next letter? Okay, the third letter. Okay. Boyfriend's body image. My wonderful boyfriend struggles with body image. He was very active in high school, but struggles to find time to work out and eat well in college. We're now in our final year. And has gone through cycles of losing 20 to 30 pounds in the summer, only to gain it all back when term starts again, which he finds very disheartening. I love him and I'm attracted to him regardless, as I've tried to tell him but his family talks about weight loss and exercise constantly and comments on his appearance, which can make the holidays difficult. Things are also somewhat complicated by the fact that I'm a trans guy and suffer extreme dysphoria myself. He's very conscious of this, and I think on some level he feels that he isn't allowed to have problems with his body because I, quote-unquote, have it worse. I want to convey that his feelings are just as valid and that I consider myself lucky to be with him exactly as he is. In the past, I've responded to him voicing his disgust by saying he shouldn't say that about himself or telling him that I love his body. But I know from my own experiences, different though they may be, that this isn't always helpful and I don't want to shut him down on the few occasions where he speaks up. Is there anything I can say or do to combat his self-loathing without coming off like I'm brushing his concerns aside? I don't normally run a lot of letters that have to do with people's partner's body image, uh, but I felt like this one had so many different components to it, and I was so fond of both of them. Like, these are really lovely people who are, like, doing their best to support one another that I kind of wanted to see if we could figure out if there's anything helpful that we could say to him. Um, I'm just... Yeah, this is... um... Yeah, there is a lot going on. I mean, first of all, I'm so sorry about the family. Yeah. And 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 their comments. That's really terrible to deal with. Yeah. No, I just again kind of going back to the first letter. I just maybe there is somebody out there who has had someone say terrible things to them about their appearance and things really worked out well. I've never heard of that happening ever in my life. I've never heard of somebody being like you know, belittled for their appearance where something good happened after that. Pretty much the only thing that ever happens as a result of that is they feel bad. Um, That's about it. That's all you can accomplish by telling someone you think that they look bad is you will make them feel bad. End of things that you've done. Right. Like it's just not a useful tactic for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And 
yeah, I'm just I'm just so sorry and 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 sad for for that family. Um, but I'm really glad that the 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 boyfriend now has the latter writer in their life, someone that that loves their appearance and appearance and and wants to support them and their feelings about it. Um, I think that the this part of the letter. In the past, I've responded to him voicing his disgust by saying he shouldn't say that about himself or telling him I love his body. I I think that the telling him you love his body part is great. I I do know. I I actually talked to my girlfriend about this because we have a sort of similar situation in that she has um, some some body image issues and she was cool with me mentioning this on the podcast and uh, I am a transgender woman. And so she often has similar feelings. And I know that we've struggled in the past with her saying something about herself and then me saying, oh, you shouldn't say that. Or, you know, that's completely wrong because that's, you know, very invalidating of, of her feelings, which regardless of subjective or objective truth, that they're, they're true, they're true to her and and to hear that back from me is is not very supportive. Right. And that makes a lot of sense because what you're thinking when you're saying that is, I want to counterbalance this. I want to let you know that you're like cherished and attractive and beautiful. But what they hear is you're even feeling the wrong way about your body. You shouldn't be expressing these insecurities and vulnerabilities. Keep them to yourself, um, which is not the message that you want yeah. to convey. So, yeah, definitely like make it clear to your boyfriend how attractive you find him, um, how much you like care for him and like don't feel the same vast difference between like his appearance at one time of year or another that he does. But don't don't tell him not to say those things, because I think that would make him feel more isolated. Do you think, Avery, like I, I obviously don't want to encourage this guy to like pick fights with his boyfriend's family. But like if he is with his boyfriend and somebody in the family says something really negative about his appearance, I kind of want to encourage him to just say something like, I think he looks fantastic. Um, not necessarily saying don't say that or shutting it down because, I, again, I don't want them to, like, get in the middle of a family dynamic. But, like, to just respond with something, like, brief and positive, I feel like would maybe be helpful just to kind of lead by example. Do you, do you think that would be a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's and – that's, but that's leading by example and also – just yeah, sticking up and, and advocating for that person in a way that isn't necessarily confrontational, mm-hmm. but that will be will feel supportive and definitely be seen by your partner is I, I definitely think a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that that will go a long way towards furthering your goals, right? Like you d- you say you don't want to shut them down. So I think no longer saying things like don't say that, that will help you achieve that goal. Um, and I think another way you can combat his self-loathing uh, is by like speaking up when his family says something and maybe even just volunteering things that like he's done that you're proud of. Like even if it's just like, I think you look really nice today. Um, before someone has said anything shitty about him. Um, and not in a way that feels over the top or insincere. Like, obviously, you don't want to make him feel like, oh, God, he's trying to pep me up because he thinks I'm so insecure. Like, that would not be helpful. But, like, if you think his hair looks nice today or if you think he looks good in a shirt or whatever, just say it. Like, vocalize that stuff out loud. Make it really clear to him, not just the way that you feel in your head, but, like, the way that you're attracted to him. Like, 
I, I have often been with people who like have fluctuating weights and there's never been a time when I've been like, oh man, you were great before, but now I'm not really into it. Like it's easy to be attracted to someone at like different weight fluctuations. I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like that has not been difficult for me and especially what you're describing. Like obviously it's painful for him, but it's also like 20 pounds in one direction or the other. Um, there is room to find that attractive. I don't know if that's a, I don't know why I'm saying that as if I'm declaring something wildly radical. Uh, I'm not. It's actually pretty basic stuff. When I was uh, talking about it with with my girlfriend, uh, whose who's name is Romy, um, she she mentioned something that um, we she's she's found helpful and that we stumbled on, which is that she hates everything about her body, but there is she's very proud of of her her butt, her behind. Nice. And thank you for the uh, synonyms. Sure, of course. Um, and that she's found that like helpful as like a a latching on point for compliments. Hmm. Because like like if I'm if I say, you know, I think you're beautiful, she doesn't necessarily hear and, and believe that because of her own feelings. But if I say, you know, your butt looks especially fantastic today, your rear end is superb, and also you're shockingly beautiful. Uh, that's that's a little easier for her to 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 take in sometimes. So I don't know if there's yeah if there's some if there's some kind of aspect of of this uh, letter writer's boyfriend's body that he that he he does appreciate about himself. Yeah, maybe yeah use that as like a foundation block. I don't know. And I think that's always good, like particularly in, in a situation where you're dealing with a partner who struggles with body image. But in general, more specific compliments are always better, right? Like I, too, am an ass man and I frequently make comments about the fantastic asses of the people that I'm seeing. Um, and everybody likes a compliment that's that's like specific. So like, yeah, your ass looks fabulous. My God, your legs just don't end. They climb to the sky, like whatever. Um, uh, like a specific compliment. Everyone enjoys it. Uh, although obviously, you know, keep the real prurient ones for the people that you are currently betting um, and not like attractive strangers. Um, with re- with regards to the feeling feeling like he isn't allowed to have problems with his body because the the letter writer is uh trans um i i de- i definitely understand how partners can arrive at that feeling it's something m- multiple partners have I- expressed to me and i think that's i mean obviously that's that's really difficult i think it's only ever helped to to say out loud that's you know that's absolutely not the case like our 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 body issues are are separate from each other and they're not mutually exclusive. Right, it's not a zero sum game. No, there's there's not one person in a relationship who gets to have the feelings about their body, one person who gets to have the feelings about, you know, disliking prestige television shows. Like you can you can you can both have your own hot takes on this sort of thing. Right. Well, it's kind of like the first letter, right, where the the guy writing in was worried because his boyfriend is asexual. So the sort of implicit fear in his letter was, so I don't get to say I don't want to top all the time because his identity trumps mine. Um, And it's kind of a similar situation here where 
Like, that's actually a mistaken belief. Like, you get to have as many needs as your partner. Um, that doesn't mean you won't be sensitive to them. That doesn't mean you won't be there for them. Um, but, like, yeah, just make it really clear to your partner, like, I love and value the way you, like, are helpful and supportive to me when I'm dealing with dysphoria. It brings me joy. So allow me to do that for you. Uh, that would also bring me joy because that's how a partnership works. So not, like... Make, making it clear, like, part of what's great in a relationship is that you can both be there for each other when you are suffering or in pain or in self-doubt. Like, that is not a burden you are placing on your partner, um, but that is, like, a gift you are allowing them to give you. And that's really meaningful. Um, yeah. And I think it's also important to to acknowledge to yourself this, I mean, this final line, is there anything I can say or do to combat his self-loathing? I, I think it's important to acknowledge that ultimately you're you're not going to be able to there's no there's no perfect comment that you'll be able to make that will that will fix everything right and that this is very much it's it's a person's own personal journey to deal with that and whether that just takes dealing with it over the years and eventually reconciling that yourself or therapy or counseling or mm -hmm. or whatever it's i i don't think it's um as as sad as sad as it is, it's a, a partner can't can't fix it. I think the best you can do is support rather than than combat. No, that's such a good point. You can be helpful. You're not going to fix this. You're never going to be the one who loves him enough that he no longer experiences insecurity. That will never happen. That's not how anything works. Um, the most you can do is be a resource as he works on this himself. Yeah. Great. All right. Also, we another another thing. Sorry, I, no, I did want it. to quickly say another thing Romy and I find helpful is that uh, one of the specific things she hates about herself is her calves. Um, <laughs> okay. I love, thinks, by the way, that you guys had this conversation beforehand of like, can I talk about your calves on a podcast? And it was apparently like, yes, you can. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we talk for hours every day on the phone. So we ran through all this. Uh, she feels like her calves are in the wrong place. And I've expressed to her many times that that's not a thing any human feels or should feel, and that uh, she has uh, serious psychological uh, problems that maybe maybe need, like, years-long institutionalization to deal with. Oh, my God. Uh, and she knows that I find that so ridiculous that we can make a fun, a fun thing out of that. Right. Like, if she says, oh, I'm feeling ugly today, I can say, no, you're absolutely beautiful, come on. Oh, except for your calves, of course, your horrible, disgusting calves. And then we laugh about that. Yes. And she realizes that all of her feelings are completely invalid and that she can't <laughs> trust herself at all. <laughs> wow, you're like Charles Boyer over here. Yeah. I just realized yeah, it's, gaslight it's it's, Yeah, it's like reverse, it's reverse gaslighting her towards self-esteem. Right, and that's fabulous. Which is like actually the... the that's the title of my uh, seduction community ebook: reverse oh gaslighting God. towards self-esteem. I will buy that so fast. You have no idea. We'll do an event together if you come on um, a book oh, tour to America. Oh, Mallory, you yeah. get a free copy, Mallory. Yes, yes, yes you yes, get a free copy. Yes, um, yeah, but that's I'll a great thing a about download code. <laughs> that's a great thing about relationships too. Is like you can figure out what are things that we can sometimes joke about. What are things that if I joke about are painful to you. Like, what do we get to decide is sometimes okay to lightly tease, not to make fun of you as a person, but to sort of acknowledge 
there's a silliness here and we want to be light about it. We don't always want it to be this big, heavy conversation. Um, I don't recommend that you like go yeah. to your boyfriend right now and start making jokes at his expense, obviously. But like you might arrive at that point where you can sometimes jokingly acknowledge like this is not reality. My feelings about my calves are not reality. And it's good to to laugh at that. Yeah. And, right. and also like, yeah, just acknowledging all bodies. It's terrible that we're stuck in corporeal forms. Horrible. The worst. And uh, it can be perfectly valid to hate your calves, even if they're perfectly fine. I remember the first time I read a Star Wars expanded universe novel was in fifth grade. And it was the Tales from Jabba's Palace uh, anthology. And I don't know if you remember this, but in Return of the Jedi, in the background, you see this little kind of spider robot with a little jar in the middle um, scuttling past uh, uh, C-3PO when he's walking with um, the Twi'lek. Why can't I remember his name? You know who I mean. Bib Fortuna. Um, And it was the monks of the Bomar Order. And they were these, like, wild monks who lived on Tatooine. And they worked their whole lives to forget they had bodies. And then, like, the ultimate form of enlightenment for them was to cut their brains out of their heads, put them in jars, put the jars on a robot spider, and then just, like, scuttle around. And I was like, "That that sounds much more plausible than the thing that we're doing. Like, why are we doing this? Spider jar brains is. The I'm way sorry. To go. Were you, were you, were you talking? There was like a like a loud whistling noise coming from you for like the past minute or so. You're a very good pickup artist because I already feel deeply insecure and in need of your validation. Uh, we have one last letter because I enjoy this one very much, and the other ones were pretty heavy. So I want to end on a note where someone's just straight up wrong, um, and we can yell at them. So the subject of this one is just, if it's too hot in the kitchen, dot, dot, dot. You can all remember the rest of the phrase yourself. Uh, Dear Prudence, my husband and I vehemently disagree about what constitutes basic food safety. When he handles raw chicken or raw seafood, he wipes his hand with a paper towel before going around touching all the other kitchen utensils and cabinets, etc., I think you need to wash your hands after touching raw meat and have shown him the USDA recommendations to do just that. He always says he'll wash his hands, but waits until I'm out of the kitchen, then goes back to using the paper towel. I've had food poisoning a few times, so I'm sensitive about this. We got into a big fight recently when I got upset that he keeps ignoring my concerns and he accused me of being paranoid. Who's right and how do we resolve this? You should kill your husband. Yeah. You Preferably should stab with, him in the like, kitchen. Listeria or botulism. I, he's Something so, thematically appropriate. I just... I, I, I feel like I'm being gaslit just reading this letter. This is not like a matter of a difference of opinion. This is not like, oh, reasonable yeah. adults can agree to disagree. Chicken's got salmonella on it. You'll die. And like... It's so bonkers to me that she's shown him the USDA, or he could be, uh, they've shown him the USDA recommendations where it's like, hi, we're the people whose only job it is to make rules about meat. You should wash your hands after you touch meat. And he's just like, well, agree to disagree. What? No! Uh, to, to, to quote Aaron Sorkin's masterpiece, n- n- The Newsroom, there's no position on this any more than there's a position on gravity. Like... <laughs> I like that you had to go to Aaron Sorkin for that one. You couldn't just draw the analogy yourself. Look, I think about that particular episode of the newsroom a lot, (laughs) and I insert its dialogue into my life, okay? Fair enough. It's such a good put down. And if you don't like it, Mallory, I'll I'll buy this place and turn it into my ping pong room. (laughs) Fair enough. 
I, I feel sufficiently chastened. Yeah. Yeah. Your husband is as wrong as it is possible for a human being to be. Uh, he is endangering both of yeah. your health. And you need to, like, you get to not ever put up with this. Like, if he can't agree to stop, He's... he gets to, like, you stop eating what he cooks. Like, straight up stop eating what he cooks. Don't do it. He's literally, like, a character in an, a, a commercial or something they show you when you're taking, like, the food safety test. Where a person touches He's like the goofiest to her gallant. And then they keep, they touch other things and, like, they use, like, a a black light camera to show you the germs spreading everywhere. Yeah, and, and the, the line about, I've had few po- food poisoning a few times, like, I oh wonder where you got food poisoning from, friend? Uh, perhaps it was your, like, germ-infested kitchen. I, I don't get what this is, like, I don't get if he's just delusional or if he, like, enjoys endangering your health or is the type of person who, like, doesn't believe facts. But like he's so wrong you have shown him like pretty generic national guidelines and what you're asking of him is hardly a burden it's wash your damn hands for 15 seconds after you touch raw meat that's it um and i think you just get to say uh if you can't do that i'm not going to eat the things that you cook do you think you're capable of washing your hands most kindergartners do this this is like not an effective way to have a fight because say it less condescendingly than i just said it i guess but yeah draw a really hard line say like either you wash your hands after you touch meat or i'm not going to eat things that you make i don't understand why this is the hill that you want to die on where you're willing to pretend you will wash your hands and then if i leave the room you stop um but it's childish and inane and it's endangering my health and safety and uh i'm not i'm not going to do it anymore and frankly if he keeps dragging his feet about him i think you should divorce him i hate him yeah, I was I was going to say cuz cuz here's here's my concern that this is a classic man pretending to do a thing badly so that he doesn't have to do it anymore. Mhm. Like I don't know if saying I'm not going to eat the things you cook is is like letting him win like oh, I guess oh, I'm not going to cook anymore. Oh, you think he like anymore. hates cooking and is trying to get out of it? Yes. This is it's yet another gaslighting. <sighs> I just, All of these letters are gaslighting, I think, in hindsight. It's it's so weird to me because the, like, the letter right before this one was just, I loved them both. They were both so, like, all we want is to support and love and cherish this other person. I just want them to be happy. And then here's this guy who's not even willing to wash his hands when his wife says, could you do it? Like, he's so unwilling to bend even a tiny bit to make her life slightly less, like, disease-ridden. Why is that so hard for you, man? Wash your, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah, man. Were you it's, born in a barn? Wash your hands. Yeah, like, I get it. I hate washing my hands, but I do it because of society and because I don't want to, like, give illnesses to people. It's boring. I get it. But it's over in 15 seconds. You know, like, it's it's done. And then you can go back to touching things, my friend. Like, no, he's yeah. the worst. Don't murder him. I'm sorry I told you to murder him, but. I definitely think until until his behavior changes, they should every day, at least once a day, watch that that TED talk from the guy talking about how to wash and dry your hands. Good, yes, and yeah. how you only need one one sheet one sheet to dry your hands. And I think just ask, like, why is this so important to you? Why are you unable to keep this promise? And then just kind of like let him sit and be uncomfortable because I think part of what he's like 
unwilling to do is acknowledge like how petty and childish he's being. And if you just say, can you explain to me why you're so unwilling to wash your hands for 15 seconds, even after you've told me you will? And then just stop talking and let him really sit in his juices and like try to come up with an excuse because there's not one. Um, And he'll get to hear how ridiculous he sounds. Um, And then you get to say, do you hear how that sounds when you say it out loud with your mouth? Um, And and I don't know, maybe hopefully that will. This is this is so this is so indicative of deeper psychological problems, megalomania, some form of sociopathy. That I mean, I think you have this conversation. You 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 serve the divorce papers, and you you leave him to 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 figure his life out. And then maybe five, ten years down the line, you can get remarried <laughs> if 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 he's willing to put a ring on a washed hand. Oh, this is the worst beginning for a remake of the Palm Beach story I've ever heard. Yeah. Darling, why don't you wash your hands? I, yeah. I've got to get out of here. It's a really fabulous, really fabulous, like, 1930s mid-Atlantic, by the way. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, it just seems yeah, like this cannot well, be anything sure. but the tip of the iceberg. Like, I can't imagine he is an otherwise, like, reasonable and affectionate and caring person. I, maybe he is. Maybe this is just this one thing where he's just completely unreasonable. I just don't get it. It's fascinating how you're able to draw out complete personalities from such scant details in these letters. Oh, yeah, I It really... definitely doesn't say anything about you as a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I Wash your hands. It's not hard. That's not a burden. There's a... T- you can put lotion on it after if your hands feel dry. There's There are answers to all of your problems in your kitchen. Soap and yeah. lotion and towels. Like, you're done. You're good. Ah. <sighs> maybe maybe a nice a nice smelling lotion would be a good... Like, incentive for him to, like... I hate the idea that we're incentivizing him like a toddler. No, he's an adult human being. He should wash his hands because it's the right thing to do, not because someone bought him a present. All right, all right, all I mean, ideally, the incentive is not getting food poisoning, but that incentive hasn't worked. Maybe we need to up the game. Oh, I just, I got nothing for this guy. I I have no idea what he's doing or why he's about it. Uh, But I think we need to stop talking about it before I work myself up into a frenzy. Uh, Or into a a lava that you could wash hands with. We have had you on the line for a long time. And it's late where you are. And I want to release you back into the wild. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Avery. Thank you for having me. This has been uh, uh, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the minion memes. Wonderful. Well, uh, please don't remind me of those and uh, get out of here. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. And Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and write us a review. Reviews help new listeners find the podcast, and then they ask us questions and you get to hear more. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave me a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it to 30 seconds or a minute tops and send it to me at prudencepodcast at gmail.com. 